0: You're listening to the On Nuggets podcast, your daily podcast on the Denver Nuggets. Now, here is your host from DenverStiffs.com, Adam Mates. This is one of my favorite pieces of music. I know it's become sort of the, like a joke, kind of a running joke that I've gotten here. Um, you know, whenever a big Nuggets moment, like a big down moment happens, a big loss. Or, you know, something like that. This is this is the song that plays. But it's a sad one, but I think it's a beautifully sad one. And that's kind of how I like it, because that's really what sports are. Like, the highs are so high and so great, but the lows, they're so low, but there's always something bittersweet about them, even this one here. So this episode of the show, obviously, is going to be about... Some quick notes on, on the loss to Minnesota, the season-ending loss game 82 that eliminates the Nuggets from the playoffs. Um, I don't think you guys probably want a full 30-minute podcast about like details of how Denver defended the pick-and-roll uh, because there's no other game. You know, Usually, I think a lot of people like those type of detailed notes because it leads itself into the next game and you kind of keep your eye out for them. The next game is a good six months away, so... I'll keep the notes short. So the first section, I'll, I'll talk about the game and provide some notes. In the second section, I want to look at some immediate reactions to the season. Um, I'll go into more detail about this in the coming days, weeks. You know, I, I really want to go into detail about every player on the roster and kind of evaluate their season, where they go from here, and, and kind of look at big picture stuff like that. <laughs> I'll obviously spend – I've promised that I'll talk about Coach Malone and do kind of a longer evaluation of him. Um, But for this one, I, I do want to kind of provide a quick sort of instant reaction to, to some of those things because I know a lot of people are wanting to hear it. And then in, in the third segment, third and final segment, I want to talk about what's in store for the show because the season is over, but the show is not. And I know many people are Denver Nuggets fans in season. Some people Denver Nuggets fans for part of a season, some for all of a season and some for all year round I, myself, love the NBA and love the Nuggets all year round, and there's always interesting stuff to talk about. So in sec- block three, I'll kind of tease what the off-season of this show uh, is going to have in store. But let's hop right into it. Um, you know, the game, <laughs> if you're going to go down, you know, somebody asked me, would you have rather gotten blown out in this game? Would, would that have been better? And I, I think no, for me at least, no chance. I enjoyed that. The Nuggets fought and fought to the end. I think the story of this, the six-game winning streak leading into ten, you know, tonight's game was that things just hadn't been going well for Denver for about six, seven weeks, really since Millsap returned. They just hadn't looked like themselves. But they just had developed this grittiness and, and had found ways to win. And, and this is a game that maybe it was my fault for actually being hopeful, but down the stretch when things were getting ugly and Denver was starting to make their move, I thought Denver – it was the first time I thought – Denver actually might do this. They might not. Every game going down to a wire previous to this, I thought, okay, they're going to lose. They'll find a way. Nug life will prevail or whatever. But in this one, I thought, man, they've been so battle-tested and they've pulled out six games in a row when they've needed to that maybe they'll actually get this one. And, of course, they come up just a little bit short. I thought this was one of the most inspired efforts of the year from Nicole Jokic. And it was good to see because it was clear just how badly he wanted this one um, and, and to what lengths he was willing to go to sort of put the team in position to to win. 46 minutes from him tonight, 46 and a half minutes, uh, a team high. Um, is that the high? Nope, actually Towns played just as many minutes, actually like 20 more seconds than him. So those two guys basically played the entire game. Jokic finishes a plus seven, which is kind of crazy to think about. They lost by six. He was a plus seven. Um, and just a, an inspired effort from him. You know, he always takes a pair of early threes. Really, not always, but since Millsap has returned, I think, on purpose, deliberately so. He kind of shoots early in that first quarter, a couple three-pointers to kind of stretch the defense. And lately, he's been missing those first two. And in this game, he missed both of them. And I think that changes him. It shouldn't, but I think it changes him a little bit. One... I think he's more of a rhythm player, and those shots early in the game always seem deliberate, and I think he's a guy I feel like I always know when his shot's going in. Not always. Mostly know when his shot's going in and when it's not. And those early ones seem so deliberate that sometimes I can kind of tell, okay, he's like not playing within the flow. He's just trying to do this because he knows he has to early on in the game. Anyway, he goes 0 for 2, and I thought that was a bad sign because Minnesota really wanted to pack the paint on Denver and sort of dare them to to beat them from the outside. And unfortunately – Denver, who's been a hot three-point shooting team, you know, for most of the season, they did finish shooting 40%, 13 of 32, but especially early in that game, they just, there were so many wide-open looks. I think Denver tries too hard to get transition baskets, and... This is a weird philosophical thing with with this Nuggets team because you wanna run and you wanna push the pace. And I think Denver, when they're at their best, they're they're great at this. Getting the ball across half court within four seconds of the shot clock, whether it was a whether you get a stop or whether you have to take the ball out of the net, crossing that half court line in four seconds puts pressure on the defense. But trying to score in transition too much, it's such a delicate balance and I've talked about this a lot. I thought the wheels came off for Denver in the first quarter and second quarter when they abandoned their half-court office and tried to tried to just push things in transition and push the envelope. They this, this is the biggest change from the Nuggets last season to this season, and I think maybe one of the more concerning ones is that last year they were just such a good half-court team. There was that famous game, I think, against Indiana. Where they scored 140 points and only had uh, five fast-break points, I think. Um, so everything else was in the half court and that was sort of the identity of the team. Well, this year I, their half court offense hasn't been nearly as good, nearly as productive, but um, it, in trans, it almost seems like they're, they're searching for transition opportunities. And for me, If you have open threes, open shots at the rim, go by all means. But they need to use their, in my opinion, the best use of Nikola Jokic and of Gary Harris and of Jamal Murray, Will Barton, these guys, is to push things in transition early to create mismatches but then to execute your offense and just get the ball moving. It wears teams out, um, but also you just have to trust your own half-court offensive identity to kind of produce shots. Another note in here, I thought Denver doubled the post way too often in this game, and Towns is a great post-up player. Um, you know, he's he, he can really kill you in there, and early on it looked like he was going to. But, you know, I think Denver's defense, people always – there, there's, there's not a lot of great defenders on this roster, and so I understand that expecting them to be a top-10 defense is just very unrealistic. But I just think that they shoot themselves in the foot um, so often with some of their – just the decisions that they make, deliberately so it would seem. One of them is allowing guys to get to the middle and pick and rolls. You know, a lot of teams will ice pick and rolls and try to force teams to the baseline. Denver lets guys get into the middle of, of the paint far too often, all season long and especially in this game. And then they double the post just so deliberately so. And the one that really sticks out, a uh, Jeff Teague missed three-pointer. The, the Nuggets got like a wide-open shot on one end miss. They come down, and I don't remember if it was Taj or, or Towns that they post up. And I think it was Murray just leaves Teague. He's one pass away, just leaves him to double the post and gives Teague a wide-open three-pointer. I think a Teague wide-open three-pointer or a Towns contested post-up, as great as Towns is, you still live with that contested post-up. So Denver does stuff like that far too often. And, you know, I know a lot of people point to coaching. Oh, the coach, why is he having him do that? So you never know if it's coaching or if it's just players going off the rails. I can't imagine Malone wanted the double in the post right there to leave a wide-open good three-point shooter but but it happened um so their defense just remains worse than it should be despite the fact that they don't have great defenders Uh, Jokic has gotten really good at drawing fouls but it's come at the expense of him being really annoying (laughs) and what I mean by that is he's really good at doing this stuff where he tangles his arms with guys and he gets the foul call but he also tries to draw fouls a little bit too much I think because he could be a more efficient scorer if he focused a little bit more on trying to actually score rather than just trying to get the contact, I think one of the things for him this offseason is to really work on his one-on-one moves. Because he's got a lot of moves in, in, in his package, but when he goes to just trying to draw contact and stuff all of the time, I think he gets himself into a little bit of trouble. So having a few more go-to moves, especially going to his left hand, will open things up for him. Um, and, and then he complains too much so when he spends the first half basically almost exclusively trying to draw fouls he's putting up a lot of bricks and then looking at the ref and yelling and there was a couple really egregious moments in the first half of this game where he was you know in the referee's ear I thought he was trying to get a technical at one time that's how bad he was complaining didn't get back on d so it's, it's another I think it's a maturity thing with him it's it's you know I think the more confidence he gets, the less he will care about these little things. So he'll just go down the court and get it. You know, I'll get him back the next time. But um, you know, he—that's something he has to work on. I thought Barton showed up in this game big time, and and he took 22 shots. But you know what? There was times in this game where nobody seemed to want to take shots. So what, what do you expect from him? And he had 24 points, eight rebounds, five assists. I thought he was one of the more confident players, more aggressive players. And he ran out of gas too. Down in the fourth quarter, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more pick and roll with him. They ran pick and roll with Murray a bunch. And it just seemed like him and Jokic, who are usually so in sync with that pick and roll, really fell out of sync in the final moments of the fourth quarter. And I would have liked to have seen what Barton had in the pick and roll with Jokic a little bit more. And then Murray missed a lot of easy looks over his last three to four games, which is really surprising to me because I think Murray is a guy that we all think of as extremely clutch. He goes 2 of 7 tonight. He did have 20 points, 6 rebounds, 6 assists, so he, he filled up the stat sheet. But he had a couple big ones that would have really changed the game. He had a couple free throws. I, I was really surprised by that. And But the nice thing about Murray is, I think his failures will always motivate him and this was I think the last four or five games of the season you look at and think he played below his season average and I think that's going to drive him into the offseason. And then they they tried to and Murray did step it up in overtime. He hit some big time shots, tough shot. Like he missed some of the easy ones and made some of the tough ones. So he made up for it in, in overtime. They finished the game, I thought, trying to ISO Jokic too much. So they ran that pick and roll nonstop with Murray and they just weren't able to get clean looks. Murray was missing Jokic on the roll. He was passing at weird angles. They ended up there was just so much clunkiness in the in the final minutes of the game. And you have to give Minnesota credit. They have some great on ball defenders that that I think put Murray in a bit of a bind and Jokic and you know, locked Jokic up as well. But trying to post up ISO post up Jokic for the last like several minutes of the game, to me just it's one of those things where you look at and think, Jokic was having a great game, but why are why go to that? Why go to the ISO post up on Taj Gibson, a t- fantastic post defender, and just try to like throw the ball in and play this stagnant style with a guy who so clearly thrives on a different style of play? So part of it is Jokic needs to improve in those minutes, and I hope he spends the summer working on some of his post moves, working on his left hand, and, and being able to take advantage of those moments. It's certainly... For him to be the man and, and be a guy they can count on, he needs to work on that. But at the same time, the last five minutes of the game, I just thought there was way too much just throwing the ball into the post and watching, and, and that's just not the best use of him. He did have some great passes, though, even in, out of the post. There was one in particular, actually two in particular, on sort of short rolls. He catches it and throws cross-court passes right on point. Um, he still made some great plays, but, again, I, th- I think moving the ball a little bit more would have helped out a lot. So Denver fought in this game. You know, those were those were some of the big picture notes. Um, Gary Harris not able to play, you know, some of the – he only played 21 minutes in this one, went 4 of 10. It would have been nice to see him a little bit more. He was a minus 18, a team worst. Um, but, you know, just not healthy. But I thought Denver fought hard. I think as painful as that was to watch the Nuggets season go to, to game 82 and then go to overtime and then go to the final seconds of overtime and lose, it hurts. But I think Nuggets fans can be pretty proud of the effort that that team put forward. So, big picture, was this season a success or a failure? I think that question is really, really hard uh, to answer. I personally probably lean more to the side of failure, but like anything in life on this scale, there's successes and failures sprinkled in. I think the Nuggets needed to make the playoffs this summer for a lot of reasons. Um, Some of them just natural, given the guys' playoff experience. Um, letting them see that atmosphere. Some of them about, like, the t- the town, uh, the city of Denver, you know, not making the playoffs affects ticket sales and crowd and enthusiasm and all those things next year. They will be, I think, noticeably lower than they would have been had they made the playoffs because that's kind of a lot of casual fans don't pay attention until they do make the playoffs. So there, there's those type of things. There's also, you know, <coughs> the man at the top who I've never met and don't know personally. This is just – I'm not t- – speculating about him the person more of the idea of a person that signs the checks if you are the owner of a team and the team does not make the playoffs do you dip into the luxury tax next year to sort of run things back I think if you make the playoffs and you have the seven game win streak and everyone gets healthy and things are on the upswing you have a little bit more confidence to dip into the tax and spend some money on places but when you're not maybe you look at this and say well we're still another year away from the step so let's let's cut costs again this year I hope that's not the case but it's certainly something that um is within the realm of possibility so there was a lot of a lot of I think scary things ahead but but kind of breaking it down the successes the Jokic made a leap in the last six weeks of this season that quite frankly I wasn't sure he'd ever make and and it's the number one to me the number one most important thing that's happened in this game I think the the Jokic from the month of February isn't going anywhere. That's the best Jokic. You know, people have talked about this last month and and just what a tear he's on. Is it the best basketball? And to me, it's it's the most in, inspired basketball. It's the most aggressive, and it's the it's like it's an important version of him. But that Jokic of February is the one that that's the ticket. And the Nuggets, for whatever reason this season, have not been able to have that type of th- that month came out of Millsap and Plumlee getting hurt and the Nuggets being forced into it. They haven't. They weren't able to ever really channel that style of play any month besides February. Now they had the successful offense and a different style, but I think that the Jokic of February is the Jokic that you want if Denver can use figure out how to use him properly in that context he'll put up numbers that we've never seen before he averaged a triple double for the month of february and i don't think he can average a triple double for a full season but i think he's a guy that could regularly consistently put up 25 11 8 9 assist type games on 50 40 85 shooting and and the team can just have this number one type offense. I really think that's within the 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 realm of possibility. But it's nice that Jokic has learned this season, and especially over the last two months, he's learned how to turn lemons into lemonade. And that's going to bode so well for this Nuggets team in the future. If you can play the you know the what we call Jokic ball, we've kind of used that term all year. Get the ball popping and playing through Jokic. If you can get that eighty percent of the time. And, look, teams are always going to be able to take away the thing you want to do. You can't always win the way you want to win and play the style that you want to play 100% of the time. But if you can play that way 80% of the time, now we've just found, we've discovered it, and over these last few weeks we've seen that Jokic can make the most when things aren't going his way and just kind of put his head down and force, um, you know, put his stamp on the game in other ways. So now I think you're, you're better prepared for this version of Jokic of of you you've got two types of jokic now and and i think that was really really important. Murray made strides this season and now it's funny listening to the post game he talked about how he's excited for this offseason cuz he actually gets to work on his game and last year remember he had the hernia surgery it there was several weeks maybe even months that it took him to recover so he wasn't working on things. Jamal Murray's a workhorse. He's like Gary Harris. I think Murray and Gary Harris are probably in the gym like 2 days from now working on their working on their games and will be in the gym for the next 6 months. Jamal Murray with a full off season. I'm so excited to see what he does to his body, what he does to his game, what he works on, what pieces of his game he starts to add and I think he's in line for a big leap next year. There were there were moments where he played really really well. I think some of his port guarding skills, uh, you know, he, he needs some work on. But I think this summer, you know, tightening up his handle, getting quicker, a quicker first step, working even on his jump shot and just being more consistent with it. I, I would not be surprised if we see a, a huge leap from Jamal Murray this summer. And and I'm kind of excited for that. So it was a success for him, in my opinion, this season um, because he made some strides. And now we get an offseason with this experience under his belt. Remember, in training camp, and this was stupid, I, I thought it was the dumbest thing the first day I heard it, but Malone kept talking about, we don't know who our starter is. Is it Moudier or Murray? Imagine that conversation now. Not only did that separation like seem silly at this point, but Murray just played so well that not only did he is he so clearly the starter for the Nuggets at the point guard position, but I think it's like you know, he's he's one of the best players on the team. And next year he might be the third, maybe even second best player on the team. I think it's within the realm of possibility. Gary Harris improved so much more than I thought. The move he had in this game where he he went behind the back and then did a reverse and he missed it. But that move, like his handle has just gotten so tight. Another summer of him working on his handle. And who knows what his ceiling is. He keeps, every time I set the bar high, he keeps going past it. And he got better over the course of this season. He got better over the course of the offseason so Gary Harris's improvement remember when he signed that contract in the offseason there was a lot of people that thought "Ooh, that's a little bit on the high side I think now you look at it and think that's at worst equal value and if he continues to improve the way he has that's like a steal of a deal I mean he's playing think about Andrew Wiggins making like twice as much as him I would much rather have Gary Harris Um, so that was success success the team really came together this year and you don't see this unless you cover the team inside the locker room. Uh, you know, it, it's really hard to, to to describe it, but this team, I think, is a close knit group. They really believed. It's crushing, I think, for all of these guys because they really did come into the season with a belief that, that certainly I hadn't seen in the three years I've been inside the locker room. Um, and, and and they just have a, an environment, I think, of of wanting to be great and and that's that's such an important thing not every nba team has that not every nba player has that i'm not sure every nuggets player has it quite frankly but so many of the ones on inside that locker room do and and that it was really cool to see i hate it, it it's almost I, I like this team it, it kind of guts me that they didn't get over the hump because i i just think they did to deserve it and this weird deserves got nothing to do with it but in this weird way they kind of uh i feel like they deserve it And then the fans returned. Think about last year, how much of the story was, man, nobody's paying attention to the Nuggets. Nobody goes to the games. It's dead in here. Pepsi Center was rocking for the last two and a half, three months of the season. And just the fan base, like, you know, I could tell with with Denver Stiffs and with my mentions and with this show and all the different ways I connect with Nuggets fans that the excitement has grown. Now, I don't know if there'll be a little bit of a, a fall off, like if people kind of feel like, Charlie Brown, and, and the football's got pulling out from him once again. But um but the fans returned, and I think they probably will be here for, for at least a couple years to come, and I think that's really, really cool. The failures. The playoffs were the goal. You look at Utah, New Orleans, Minnesota, San Antonio. Would you swap rosters with any of those teams? If we just said, like, Okay, Greg Popovich is coaching every team in the league and you get to pick the roster. Would you pick Utah, New Orleans, Minnesota, or San Antonio over Denver, even factoring in the injuries that all of those teams sustained I don't think you would. I think Denver's roster was a top-eight roster in, in the Western Conference and one of the better, probably top-ten rosters in the NBA. So for them to miss the playoffs, even with everything that happened, it's, I, I'm, I would be disappointed if on the exit interviews the players, the coaching staff in the front office did not look the camera in the eye and say, no, it was a disappointment. There were successes along the way, but we wanted to make the playoffs and we felt we were good enough and we fell short because to me – that's why you're here. You don't want to overreact to, to to setbacks and things like that, but to just outright say, well, it was never our goal, to me it, it, it just it just sends a bad message to fans, I think. So uh, the playoffs were the goal, and missing them was a failure. I think the salary cap sheet does not look very good for the Nuggets, and it's funny because a year ago that was one of the best parts about the Nuggets roster was how clean the, the books looked, and the Millsap thing obviously is understandable. He's only got one more year on his deal at $30 million. And again, I don't think you can judge Millsap for this season. Look, it's possible he's lost a step, and some of this rebounding and defense and stuff is just—he's just not as good as he used to be. But I'm guessing that more of this has to do with just the fact that everything went wrong for him. This was the season for hell for him, and I think he'll come back and bounce back next year with a very, very strong year, and Nuggets fans will will fall in love with him once again. But the Mason Plumlee deal. You know, that that one tied up the salary cap sheet and Will Barton now becoming a free agent. I think he's a player that as much as Nuggets fans are hot and cold with him, they are going to miss the hell out of him if he is gone next year. But you can't really sign him without becoming a tax team. So the salary cap sheet needs a couple miracles, quite frankly, in my opinion. No trades were made this season when we well, other than the Moodyer one, which is probably a season and a half too late, but no trades were made. They stuck with Fareed, Wilson, and Darrell Arthur all year and will likely have to either pay um, a fee to get rid of those guys, like a, a draft pick or, or one of the young prospects. Um, but all of those th- those three guys, I think, still being on the roster at this point is a failure. We talked about Wilson and Fareed being on the roster through summer as a, as a failure, so the fact that they made it through a whole other year, I think that's a failure. Wancho is still an unknown. Um, and this is a failure that the basketball gods heaved our way by giving him mono. Um, but but, Wancho, it, you know, it kind of sucks going into this off season because I think, I'm, I'm so high on the idea of Wancho, but now that we haven't seen him for a whole year, basically, I mean, I just don't know what to make of him. Is he a guy that you throw in in a deal to get rid of some of this dead money, or is he a guy that's so much more valuable to that, to the Nuggets? Is he a guy that can't defend, so he just doesn't fit the roster? It, it sucks that we don't know that one. Malik Beasley, to me, looks like a fringe rotation player, and it's always tough making these calls because, just like we saw with Moutier, Two years, if you haven't been able to evaluate your player after two years, it can be really, really tough, especially if you're a non-playoff team. It can be really, really tough going to another season thinking, oh, he'll just, you know, I hear a lot of people say, Beasley will do everything that Barton does. Really? (laughs) I always think that's crazy to me. Um, So not knowing what Beasley is slash him looking more like a fringe rotation player rather than a key cog in the team, to me that's a bit of a failure. Does Lyles fit on the roster? He did not play tonight, the most important game of the year, and he did not play, and probably rightfully so, quite frankly. They could have cultivated a a rotation in which he was a big piece of it, but they did not all all season long. He had a great December, um, but outside of that, it just looked like is he a guy that you want to commit to long term because he now has one year after this one, now one year left on his deal. Is he a guy that that Denver – you know? trades away this summer it's hard to like I don't feel like I know that I hope the organization has more clarity about it because for me I look at him and think I, where does he fit is he going to have more DNPs next year in crucial games just because he's not somebody that Malone trusts and then most of and, and most important of all and I'm going to have a full podcast about this because you know I talked about my thoughts on Malone and why I don't think he will be fired nor do I think That he should be fired, or that it's like this black and white thing that some of the Malone truthers feel. I think he's done a lot of really, really great things for this team that go extremely underappreciated by fans. But the one thing that is going to define whether he fits in Denver or not is I don't think he's figured out Jokic. And I talked about that month of February, and that was the one month where the Nuggets looked like the identity that I think the team should have, that their best identity. And at a fundamental level, I think Jokic is a genius and Malone is a general. And these are broad, you know, I'm kind of painting with broad brushes for both guys. Um, But it's hard sometimes for somebody that has that wants that much control of a team in Malone to hand to to work with somebody who is that free thinking and outside the box as Jokic. And it's going to be the biggest test of Malone's career if he can figure out how to give up control and and sort of understand the best uses of Jokic and just sort of trust his guy. Now, maybe it's one of those things where he's playing the long game and he feels that this year was a growing experience. And like I said, Jokic has learned the season how to turn lemons into lemonade. Um, so so now maybe both of those guys kind of pull each other towards the center. Jokic needs to become more disciplined, more tough, more serious. And I think he did that this year. He's taken on some of those traits that are Malone traits, toughness and, and seriousness. He's moved a little bit that direction. Malone has moved a little bit in Jokic's direction, and that he's he's given up a bit of control, and 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 I think um, maybe with a lot of like Alka Seltzer and Tums, he's 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 been able to like stomach some of these um, ulcers that that he seems to get watching the Nuggets' chaotic style on offense. But they need—they both need to move much more in—in—in in, in the direction. And I think Malone especially needs to really figure out how to use Jokic properly. And I personally don't think that he has. Um, and that's going to be a big test for him this off season. And again, it's not all on Malone. It's when—when when you're the leader, everything rests on your feet. But some of this is in having the right personnel around. Maybe a more experienced point guard as a backup or you know just some different voices in Malone's ear that that kind of help him to better understand Jokic because I think Malone is a guy that if he were running like a just a regular warehouse and Jokic, Jokic was like an employee of his I don't think the two would get it wrong because their personalities are just a bit of a of a clash in like philosophies on life I think um, so, so I think that there's some, some huge areas of growth that Malone is going to have to make in, in short order. Um, but I'm, I'm optimistic that he can, he, he's, he's really learned from so many of his mistakes. I think, over the course of 3 years and while this is probably the biggest lesson he's going to have to learn i think he's a guy that's incredibly committed to success and and i think with the you know sometimes you have to have these big failures to really look yourself in the mirror and i think this will be a summer and i'm curious to talk to malone in his exit interview and ask him these questions but i think this will be a summer that he really examines how what kind of things he can improve on and and how and try to understand jokic even better as a talent um, so, and, and I say all that to say that we're still not sure about Malone. And I, and you know, when I, I people sometimes get mad at me because I always kind of play both sides, but the truth is that I see both sides of the argument. I don't think this is such a black and white thing. I think I, I see both sides. And so I try to present the cases, both pro and, and, and anti Malone pro and anti Jokic, pro and anti every, every piece of this. Um, but we still don't know about Malone. And I think that's a tough problem. Um, and then the team needs to start spending on the edges. And, and this is something that I've given, you know, the, I don't know the inner workings of, of the Denver Nuggets. And, and I, 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 the some of the things I do know, I think the general fan do, just won't ever understand. Things about like the G League and why there isn't a team and some of these things where people get really upset. and oh it's an embarrassment. There's, you know, some things behind the scenes that I think are a little bit rougher, you know, you you look at the organization in a more forgiving light when you know some of the things, but but I think that it you know losing Chris Finch this year, what seemed like such a little thing, um, really probably was the difference between making the postseason and not losing. Sticking with Emmanuel Moutier rather than Jameer Nelson almost certainly worth one win. If we're talking about just one win, I think that was one that 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 probably qualifies there. So just some of these things Tory Craig being a two-way contract and not making room for him I mean Tory Craig plays in that month of March more games do you think the nuggets get one more win I, again I I just to me I think the answer is probably yes so uh, s- s- some of these dollar uh, pennywise pound stupid or what is it saying pennywise dollar stupid stuff I think um you know it, it's time to sort of really push the chips in on this team or else I think you're going to miss the boat Thank you I want to close this off by talking about what's in store for, for locked on nuggets and the NBA offseason is fun. <laughs> I won't lie. I know it stings right now and 30 minute podcast. I'm sure a lot of people have already tuned out because they're so, still so hurt and so raw about how this ended. But I just wanted to kind of tease what's going on because I'd love for you guys to continue to hang out and listen to the show. Um, part of what makes the NBA the best league to follow, in my opinion, it's the best league to follow is, Uh, And follow obsessively is the whole roster building thing draft speculation, free agency, all of these things. We get to play armchair GM and it's so much fun. The NBA does a great job of promoting their league 12 months a year. But there's also just so many little things that happen, and, and there's so many different things to talk about. And and that's what's ahead of us now with this podcast. The first thing I'm going to do is post-mortem on what went wrong for the season. The second thing I'm going to do is evaluate all of the players, kind of like I do the 10 and 10 episode. It's going to be like a massive one where I'll take just Jokic for an episode and talk about what he does well, what he does poorly, how he can improve. And these are some of my favorite t- types of things to talk about, quite frankly, because, um, again, it's all about roster building. We're talking about a Nuggets team that I think we all feel there's this like six or seven year long journey. Maybe we're two or three years into it. Maybe it's an eight, nine, ten year journey. But it's fun to kind of lay out the roadmap from here and how do you get to being a contender. Um, and Denver has a lot of the, on their plate this season, uh, this offseason. Jokic's extension is going to be a major storyline. The lottery and then the draft. What does Denver do with their pick? Do they keep it? If they have the 14th pick in the draft, as is almost certainly the case. Do they, Is that worth more than possibly adding an already experienced player i mean do you really want uh, the nuggets are going to have some major needs do you want to trust okay we're going to try to bring along a a 20-year-old small forward who we're going to have to rely on to get minutes. Is that something that the Nuggets want to do? That's that's going to be a tough one. Um, they need to shed salary and, and continue to add pieces. What kind of pieces are, are most n- missing? There's summer league. So there's a lot of stuff to go uh, to start talking about in the off season and stuff that personally I find as among the most uh, interesting things about, uh, about the NBA. And lastly, I just wanted to end this podcast by, by kind of giving a big thanks to everybody that has tuned in. This is probably my favorite part of the job, or certainly one of them. I enjoy writing quite a bit. Writing takes a lot more effort, I'll be honest with you there. It's, it's easier to kind of turn the microphone on, have my notes and all the research that I do for this, and then just talk. Writing is much more of a, uh, a delicate, time-consuming thing. But I like both of them, but I really enjoy this show, and I whenever I go to stiffs night out or interact with people in person face to face, I always get such a kick out of, um, how much I get to be a part of everybody's life. And and it's kind of, it's one of those things where I'm, I'm big about sports being a thing that connects all of us to each other. And it's the best part of sports. It's, you know, I've gotten to meet people from all over the world through blogging and through podcasting, but also through playing the game of basketball. And, um, So it really is one of the cool parts uh, of my job. Just this last week at Stiff's Night Out, talking to all different types of people that tell me, you know, come up to me very enthusiastically to tell me about their routine. And like, oh, I I wake up in the morning, I hop in the shower, and I, I put your podcast on while I'm showering and brushing my teeth and stuff or oh, I turn it on when I get in the car and, and it's the first thing I do and I, I just get such a kick out of that because uh, again, like I said, I you guys all get to welcome me into your life for for 20 to 30 minutes a day and I think it's so great. So I just wanted to say a big thank you to everybody that has supported the show. It's free of charge. Um, and, and has, has made it such a part of your life. I hope to continue doing either this podcast or a podcast or for a very long time and continue to sort of grow the platforms I get to connect with other Nuggets fans. Uh, and I will end it by saying, I haven't said this for quite a while, but if you have enjoyed the year's content and and have kind of enjoyed this show, the, the best way you can do me a favor is to go, Is actually the best way you can do me a favor is by sharing these the shows with people that you know, care your other Nuggets fans and tell them hey check this out you might enjoy it but the other thing you can do is hop on iTunes and leave a rating and review um it's really really easy to do the description of how to do that is in the description of the show so i walk you right through that you can just put, open up your phone and, and do that but it goes a long way for me and for growing the show growing my own platform thanks again everybody for this entire season i will be back again like i said with weekend summits and with more breakdowns and stuff so the show's not going anywhere even if the denver nuggets are thanks so much and i'll see you next time Thanks for listening to the Locked on Nuggets podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and visit us on the web at denverstiffs.com.